Okay, so Shalom Bracha. Because we're now within a month <coughs> before Purim. So just some uh, ideas connected to Purim. One is like a general idea and one that's connected to this lesson. The general idea is, and I say this every year because it's something very important. The famous teaching of the Magad of Mizrach. The Magad of Mizrach said on Purim, there's halacha, like he brought up earlier, kol poshet yad, notim lo. Halacha is, anybody who sticks out their hand on Purim to ask for tzedakah, even though you know he has a, a, a Rolls Royce, he has a BMW, he has a Mercedes Benz, he has a big house, you know he has money, okay? You know that he's going to spend the money to buy garbage, to buy drugs or something, chas v'shalom. Anybody on Purim who sticks out their hand for money, you give to them. Okay? Okay. That's the halacha. Now, like you said, like well, you wait, but if they're going to do uh, huh? something to buy drugs or something for like an Avero, Call a poshet, call a poshet yad. There's a chance he won't do for Navira. I don't know, but call a poshet yad. So the Magid of Mizrach would say this applies also being ben adam lemakom. It's the one day of the year that Hashem gives out to everybody. The one day of the year. So in Breslev, it's stressed big time, big time. It's stressed to make sure to get up as early as possible, preferably at midnight, from midnight on. And to make sure you put in your hitbodedut then. The day, on a normal Purim day, forget it. You're busy getting drunk. There's no time to do hitbodedut properly for clear head. So it's reserved for the night time from Chatzot Laila already. And to pour out your heart to Hashem. And there's a Kabbalah, the Magad Abizuch says that Hashem is open to give to you your requests more than any other time of the year. So because of that, they make a big deal in Breslov, getting up. Here in Yerushalayim, for example, normal years, let's see what's going to be this year because of Corona, and when they're going to do it because it's Shushan Purim. There's, there's options of two nights to do this. They have, every year, buses organized in the firm neighborhoods of Mea Sharim, Shmuel, and Avi. And they stop at every bus stop, at, they have every, until every hour there's a bus normal, normally, and takes people to do it Bodedut by the field and forest behind the grave of Shmuel and Avi. Something phenomenal. After midnight, there's a bus, and then after one hour, another bus comes, the one goes, and they have buses alternating, coming and going, coming and going, until, until like about Allah to Shachar, four in the morning. Okay, four or five in the morning. Unbelievable. This year, because it's Shushan Purim, I don't know what they're going to do. They're doing Thursday night, Saturday night. Are they not going to do it because of the corona? I don't know. Let's see. But every year, normally, Why there's... To do it this year? What? That's the thing. I don't know. Okay. I, I would assume we have a bonus this year. We have three nights Purim. That means we have three nights to do it, but they do it. The, the Balatanya, he writes that on Shabbos, you're allowed to request spiritual requests. Because normally on Shabbos, you're allowed to ask requests. Refuah, Shiduchim, Zivugim, and stuff. But spiritual requests go all the way, even on Shabbos. Rav Nosen told the son of Yitzhak to say Likutei Tfilot, even on Shabbos, but skip the Chatati, Aviti, all, this, all the languages of confession of sins that you skip. You're allowed to say Likutei Tfilot on Shabbat. Meaning, there's room for spiritual requests on Shabbat. You're allowed to. What's the problem? Okay? If that's the case, in that, in that case, we have three nights in Yerushalayim of talking to Hashem. We have three nights of Purim. The main one would seem, Kola Poshed Yad, takes place on Friday this year for Yerushalayim. Because that's the, the normal Yudalit Adar for the whole world, including Yerushalayim. That's when the Mitzvah of Kola Poshed Yad, Nognim, Domatanot, Davion, takes place on Friday. So it makes sense that Thursday night is the big night. But still Purim, the night of Purim for us, technically, is Friday night. Shabbos is, is Purim. And Chazal pushed it off also to Sunday. So we have it spread out, if you want, for three nights of major Yidbodedud. But this thing of Kola Poshet Yad is very, very big. And people make an extra effort to make sure to get up early, to, uh, to get up to do some words of Yidbodedud to Hashem on the night of Purim, especially, okay? And people have seen big miracles. I know personally, me, myself, and people who had major, major breakthroughs after the davening of the night of Purim. Shiduchim, Parnasa, Health, Atzgashmi, and Koshiken on, on Ruchani requests, you know, to be in over the Shem, to, wait, to break on Taivas, to work on everything. Fine. You have to do the Esporus in your Shalim? What? Uh, not necessarily. Because you Yudalad and you're doing Esporus in Tzvav. Yeah, but what, what's Koveya for a person where he is, is where he is in Alot HaShachar. Okay, that's what's Koveya. Yeah, you can have a guy in Yerushalayim 
and he goes to do it Borudut on the night of Yerushalayim, he goes to Beit Shemesh. And then he comes back before Lata Shachar. He's still considered a person of Yerushalayim. Because Alot Shachar, where you are, that's what's Koveya on Friday morning. Where are you doing this? Okay, let's go on. Another amazing insight. There's a book which is hard to get, but it's an unbelievable book. The book is called uh, Rashi Besamim. Rashi Besamim is written by a Rav, I forgot his name, from Mansi. He's alive, a breast liver from Mansi, who was a brisker. Okay? Rosenman, that's his name. Rosenman from Mansi. What he does in this book, he connects every single lesson in Likute Moran to Pur. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. He's a genius. To do it is unbelievable. So in our lesson, he has such an unbelievable chidush. Look what he says. There's a midrash that says on the pasuk Asher Karcha Baderech about Amalek. It says in Amalek, right? I think that's the parsha that we read in Vayav Amalek. Asher Karcha Baderech. It's in Bishalach that he cooled you off on the way, right? It says Zachorat Asher Asalach Amalek Betzetchem Eretz Yisrael Asher Karcha that he cooled you off on when leaving Egypt. So there's a few things, right? Karcha Baderech number one. He cooled them off on their chamimut. One opinion is that he castrated, he cut off the brit milas of people from the Shevet of, of Dan and threw them up to, Rashi brings it on, threw them up to heaven as if to make fun of Hashem. Here's your mitzvot. They killed, they killed Shevet Dan, people from Shevet Dan, and then castrated them and to make fun of Hashem. They threw up their orlot, their, their brit milas, they threw them up towards heaven as if to say, here's your mitzvah, look what it did for them. Nothing, nothing to help them, okay? Another thing Rashi says, that like the hot bath, that no one can stick their foot in. One crazy guy jumped in, he got burnt, but he cooled off the hot bathtub so that other people can go in. So too, nobody dared to face the attack Israel when they left Egypt after all the miracles. All the nations were scared. Once Amalek, he went full force and went against, even though they lost, right? Yeshua almost killed off totally Amalek. Rashi says, based on the word of Hashem, Moshe told Yeshua, stop, don't finish killing. You kill this, the Rashi Ama, the leaders, but leave the, the unfinished. Why? There will come a time when it's supposed to happen. That was supposed to be with Shaul Melech, Agag, Shmuel Navi. That didn't happen. Okay? The next round was supposed to be by Haman. And the name, the, the, the ten sons of Haman, etc. And it happened to a degree. But still to today we have descendants of Amalek. Rav Yusuf Zonenfeld, they say about him that when Kaiser Wilhelm from Germany, the Kaiser of Germany, came to Yerushalayim, okay, and all the chief rabbis went to greet the king at the Seabracha, Rav Zonenfeld, who was the chief rabbi of Ashkenazim, he did not go out to greet the Kaiser of Germany. They asked him why. He said, I have a Kabbalah that Germany is Amalek. And we see that with what Nazi Germany did, okay? Shem huh? What about that which is brought in a lot from like the the, the groupings that the what is called the Amalek is going to be part of the Jew, uh, among the Jews. Amalek will be within the Jews. Yeah. It mixed in. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't in Achinam you can have both. You can have the physical essence of Amalek, and then you have the Amalek within. It's called the Amalek within. We call that. Rav Nosson talks about that. Amalek is gematria sfekot safik. Doubts, all the doubts and confusions, that's also Amalek. That's blotting out Amalek and Purim is no more doubts in life. You know what's clear emet and what's shikar, no more games. No more games, okay? Third explanation is, like you said, Mikra Laila. That Karcha, Rabbeinu brings this down, Rabbeinu brings this lesson 19. That Amalek is able to cool down a person from his heat, chasham, there's the heat temptation. So he says in lesson 19, there's two ways for a Jew to cool down the sexual heat. Or chasa shalom, having a mikra layla, that's what cools down a person, but he did damage. And there's a second way to cool down the heat, and that's with cham libi bekirbi bahagigi tivar esh dibarti birshoni. Okay? He says, cham libi bekirbi, I'm hot, burning for the tava, right? Tivar Esh, it's burning a fire to consume me. What do I do to, to cool off the fire? He says, I take the fire of the Ta'ava and put it into words of Yid Boredut. 
to mamash put it into. We went into this a lot in classes. Amram will tell you when this. I can't go over it again because we went over it so many times of stories, analogies. Well, these are classes in itself on this whole concept of, of Lesson 19 of how to cool off this heat of the taiva with dibuim, chamim, with burning fiery words. You need to set to the shrine for this to happen. It's not like understood because when a person is overwhelmed, he puts his brain on the side and goes, goes to do a tavot and goes to this taveras. He says, I'm not here now, the office is closed, closed until tomorrow morning, come back tomorrow morning. The person does what he wants, he comes back, it's a new day, let's start a new day, okay? I want to be good with you, right? What happened, it happens again and again, the person like, he tells Hashem, okay, I close the store until tomorrow, and we'll talk tomorrow morning, and tomorrow I'll confess and do chew right now. Hashem <laughs> Rachem, okay? How do you stop that? What? So that's why you have to really get to a point of hit bodedut with words which are fire. And these fiery words burn this heat for the unnecessary tava, okay? So that's karcha. What fiery words? Words of dibuim. Like that your mama, sh- you're, you're putting all your energy into the words. And you feel it, not external. Like Rabbeinu said, Rabbeinu once made fun of his followers, you seem like in davening, like I appeared when pulling the anchor on the ship on the way to Eretz Yisrael. He was very sick and weak. But he wanted to show everyone that he was, he was trying to help to, to save the ship from sinking because there was a hole and there was water coming into the ship. So he pretended, he, you know, like, he made himself red by like not breathing and pushing on his face like uh, the heart so he looked red so that people saw his face red and as if he was pulling the anchor so they, they, they would leave him alone that he's, he's doing something so Rabbeinu made fun of the father the rest of her said you're davening it's like when I was trying to pull the anchor faking it it's only on, on lip service it's only ex- external facial expression he says real davening is where it's a fire inside it's a fire burning and the words you're totally in the words and you're saying them with such energy that you feel like you can pop, <laughs> you can explode. That's the fiery words, okay? That can subdue the this heat. Right? means thoughts. When I'm thinking, there's a fire trying to consume me from the thoughts. So what to do? This is all lesson 19, the Kutim run. It's not for now. But on it is Asher Karcha Baderech, okay? So it says in Megillat Esther that when Esther found out that Mordechai was wearing sack, sackcloth and Yuvayzak Mordechai Zaka Gdola Mora, when after hearing about the decree of Aman, he was at the entrance of the Chatzar because he can't go in front of the Chatzar just like that. So he's up to the entrance of the Chatzar of the palace of the king wearing sackcloth and crying. Esther found out about it she sent Hatach, who's who? Who's that? Daniel. Okay, Hatach. She sent him. So it says in the Megillah, Vayomer Mordechai, Asher Karao. I forget the exact lashon of the pasuk. I have it here, but it says, "Tell Esther." He told over to Hatach to tell Esther, Asher Karao, what happened? What happened to him? Of the whole story of Haman coming and he didn't bow down and he stuck his shoe. You know the, the midrash says that Mordechai had inscribed at the bottom of his shoe the Shtar Mechira, the, the contract that Haman sold himself as a slave for a loaf of bread, because they had no food, they were stuck together, they were both generals of the army of Hashverosh in one battle, and they were together, Haman and Mordechai, they knew each other already from before. So Haman had no food to eat, and Mordechai had bread, so he begged him for food. So he said, I, what will you give me instead? I said, I'll sell you myself, just give me food so I don't die, I'm starving, I'm going I'm to starve to death. So he said, sign on it, and he had no paper. So he, he took his shoe, Mordechai took his, his sandal, and they etched off a knife, I guess. Ani Haman ben Habdata Agagi, I sell myself <laughs> to Mordechai the Yehudi, no ben Shaul ben Ish, Ishemini ben Kish, Ishemini, I sell him for life. Okay? So when Haman was now appointed by the King Hashverosh, and he had the idol, and everyone had to bow down. So he sees him, he says, I'm going to bow down to you, you're, you're my slave. So he stuck, the Midrash says that Mordechai stuck his shoe out, his sandal, showing it, he says, look at this, you're my slave, I'm not going to bow down to you. Okay? So he was burning on fire, Haman, <coughs> and he wanted to kill, not just Mordechai, but all the Jews. And, and he got the, 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 the king's uh, tabat, and he sent out, the, the, like it says in the Megillah, they sent out the shlichim, that everyone be ready for, for the destruction of the Jews on you'd Gimel Adar the next year, okay? 
So that happened. Mordechai now says it's the decree, and it says that Eliyahu Navi came to tell Mordechai that this decree has been sealed even in heaven. The Jews, unfortunately, are deserving of kelaya, destruction, chasashalom, because of a few things. Because they ate from the seuda of Achashverosh, and it was forbidden foods. Yain kemalchut rav Since when do you drink wine from Achashverosh? Yain nesech. It's not kosher wine. And the Jews were drinking. And Mordechai decided to drink. Warning: Jews don't eat. Don't drink the wine there. They drank the wine. They ate the food. They got drunk. They found an orgy and had relations with Goyish women. <coughs> the Seuda. That's what Hashem's plan was to get the Jews to fall. So they were. That's the that plus bowing down to the the, the idol of Nebuchadnezzar, a previous generation. That, that, that that's it. People that were still alive who had bowed down to Nebuchadnezzar's uh, uh, idol. That plus that deserved the Jews to be wiped out. It was a big Seuda. Okay, the representatives from all the countries they came, Jews from all the 127 nations came to the Suda that Nachashverosh made and ate and got drunk and had part of an orgy. And because the, 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 uh, this is not all in Midrash, because the Chashavayidin fell, so this had major repercussion on the rest of the Jews. So the whole generation was deserving of a Kelaya because the prominent, rich, Gvirim and everything, they fell in this. Okay? So it says, going back, Mordechai told Hatach, Okay, he told <coughs> Hatach what had happened. So the Midrash says on this Pasuk, tell her that Ben Beno Shel Karahu is attacking us, is coming on upon us. Ben Beno, the son of the son of Karahu, Asher Karcha Baderech, right? Karcha Baderech, Amalek is the one who's cooled you off, so he's called Mr. Cold. We call him Mr. Cold. He's Mr. Cool. He's the cool guy. Okay, cool. He's cold. So tell her, the, the great-grandson of the cold one, Mr. Cool, which is Amalek, is coming upon us to try to, 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 to subdue us. Okay? So that was a hint to Haman, the clip of Haman, being called the Mikrelaina, because it's too much carry. That's what Rashi says also. He cooled him off of the sexual temptation. That's the idea of Mikrelaina and Amalek. That's the connection Rabbi Nachman makes. Because we went into that, right? Karcha means to cool off. Right. So the, the third explanation is it's from Lashon Mikra Laila, Rabbi Nachman. That's what I said in lesson 18, uh, 19. Right, 19. Yeah, that's right, right? Chamli Bibi Kibi, right? So it's a good thing that he called him off from Mikra No, but with Mikra Laila. He didn't call him off with Dibarti Bishoni. With the, have to speak fiery words to cool off. There's or to, to, to cool off the temptation with Tvila. Or chas shalom with the mikre laila. That's what's called the mikre laila because it's mikare. It cools down the, the heat. Chas shalom, but causing damage. Okay, so tell her that Ben Beno of the one who's called mikre karao. Okay, so now this guy in this book, Rashi uh, Besamim, he says something unbelievable. The seventy years of galut bavel is compared to sleep. Right, the whole story of who choni amagel. Right, he was slept for seventy years and he woke up. So that means the waking up took place when the Jews had come back. When did Chonya Megel wake up? The year the Jews came back, 71, from that calculation. Really, it was a, few more, a bit more years. That was the, the Gemara in, in Megillah goes through all the calculations. How come there was room for miscalculation? Why did the Jews miscalculate? Because what was the starting point of the 70 years? That was the whole thing. There's all machlokin in the Gemara. What was the starting point? Why did they make mistakes in the calculation of the 70 years? But whenever it ended, the 70 years, and they came back, that's when Choni Amagel woke up. The whole story in the Gemara there says, could it be that someone can sleep for 70 years? That's what happened to him. He slept for 70 years. Okay? So that means, Galut Bavel is considered like sleep. And now that Haman attacked, and Haman's called Mikre, Karau, he attacked at the end of the sleep, so it's synonymous with a Mikre Laila. A Mikre Laila takes place when a person is sleeping, so Haman attacking at the end of the 70 years of the sleep period of Galut Bavel is like a, having a, a nocturnal emission shalom, while sleeping. The exact same parallel, okay? So, so that was the Pagam here. That was the Pagam. That's an insight on the, on the, on the Megillah. Now we're going to start, okay? Now we're going to continue. We're holding by Hodu. How much time do we have? Oh God, we have a lot to talk about. Okay? Before we go into Hodu, because there's a lot of insights here that you're going to, I don't know if you're going to agree with it, because it's Let's see. Uh, I have to say a story which you know as a child because this, this is the fundamental point is from the story. We all knew these stories as children because when we were kids they had these, these 
printed stories of Machanayim, you know, the little uh, illustrated stories for children on Sadiqim and stuff. So there's the famous story told before Pesach of Moshke and the, and the monkey. What's the story with Moshke and the monkey? This Moshke, he ran what's called the Kretschme, an inn back then in the Ukraine, in the Pale of Settlement. The Yidin Jews, they, they ran these little hotel inns where there was also a bar, a tavern, and all the drunk Ukrainians, farmers, at the end of their work day, and they're so miserable of their lives, whatever they're going through, they've come to get drunk. So we had a lot of business by giving the goyim to drink vodka and vodka and vodka and to eat whatever and vodka, okay? So it was a normal parnasa for Moshke. He had his and his family, and they had a decent income by running this, this kretschma. Who owned the kretschma? The local pirates. I say pirates in English. Landlord? The landlord, pirates. The evil guy. Yeah, but no, the translation of pirates means he owns the land. And he gave to Moshke to run the, it's his, the Kretschma. So from time to time, this, this Goy Paritz, this wealthy Goy, would come to see what's happening. So one day he came unexpected, and all the Ukrainian farmers, they also work for him, because all the land belongs to him. They're just farmers for him. They get our resources, they get percentages and everything. That's how it was back then in the Ukraine. So these drunk, Goy, these drunk farmers, when they saw the Paritz walking in with his special guard and you know with his accompaniment and he's dressed like a very wealthy man they all just woke up basically still like an order like like soldiers that's how that's how it's illustrated in the cartoon and they said welcome your your master the the pirates and moshke also honored him very much because he's his boss so the the pirates sat down at the table and moshke is pouring him a nice glass of vodka so the the pirates he asks the landlord he asks moshke Moshke, how are you doing? How's your family? And for everything he's saying, thank God, Baruch Hashem, thank God, thank God, thank God. And how's the Parnassah? I see you have a good, decent Parnassah here. You're doing well. He said, Baruch Hashem. So the part says, thank God, thank God. You should be thanking me because I'm the one giving you the Parnassah. I'm the one. So what did Moshke answer him? He said, God is the source of all of our nourishment and sustenance. And you are a messenger. I thank God. The thanks belongs to him exclusively. So he said, we'll see about that. You're fired. And this took place right before Pesach. Okay, after between Purim and Pesach, this took place. You're fired. Let's see now how you're gonna manage for all the Pesach holiday expenses now. So he he left. He left the work, he had to leave the job, and he had some money left to live off. And uh, his wife was really distraught because every year they had tons of guests, they had tons of food for Pesach meat, chicken, fish, potatoes, matzahs, everything you need, wine, everything you need for the Chag, cakes, for the Pesach cakes for the kids, uh, whatever, candies, vegetables, fruits, you name everything, tons, okay? This year, nothing. The money was going away and going away. She sees her husband just davening back and forth, saying to him all day. And she would panic, but would just sing him with his bitachon, that would calm her down. That's how it's illustrated in the story, okay, for children. So she would see, when she started fretting, what's going to be for Pesach? She's the husband, not worried. He's saying, tell him all day, I tell him all day. So she would calm down. It gets her in the air of Pesach, and they have nothing. They barely have nothing to buy. Barest minimum, forget about guests, but even for themselves, barest minimum for the Chag. That morning, the pirates, he, every day or every once in a while, he used to like counting and checking his gold coins. So he had like a martef, he had a cellar in his house where he kept all the money, all the gold. And he would like checking if it's real gold or not. Gold is normally soft metal. So he'd like biting on his coins to see if it's real, me- if it's real gold or it's metal. And it covered with gold, a thin, thin layer of gold. So he'd bite, okay? And he had a monkey with him, a pet monkey that he loved very much. And the monkey, <clears throat> not every time would he come into that room with him, but this time he came in to the room with him, okay? And the monkey saw what he was doing. And all of a sudden, the, one of the servants called the, the pirates to something important that he has to come upstairs for. So he forgot, he left the door open, and he went upstairs, planning to go back downstairs afterwards. The monkey stayed there, and monkey see, monkey do. He started copying, he started sticking the coins of gold, but instead of biting on them, he swallowed them. He swallowed so many gold coins that he gagged, choked, and, and died, the monkey. So when the pirates came back, he saw his poor monkey dead on the floor not knowing that his stomach is filled with gold coins he said oy vey oy vey is a goy whatever he's saying you know oy ich 
What about my poor monkey? So he said to his servant, Ivan, you know what? Take my dead monkey, smash it through the window of Moshe, so he should have some meat, monkey meat, to at least eat for his Pesach holiday. And then I'll show him a lesson that he next time he should know that I'm the one. He's going to come begging to my my legs, my knees, and my feet to ask forgiveness and to say thank you to me, not to just to his God. So Ivan, early in the morning, this is early, early in the morning, still air Pesach. Okay, he, he, he smashes through the window and leaves. The whole family wakes up. They hear smashed glass. They wake up. The children and Moshe and his wife, and they see a body with blood dead on the floor with the, with, the, with the broken glass. First thing that came to mind, a blood libel, alilot dam. Oy vey, a blood libel, which was, a, which was common, that the goyim would kill one of their uh, Christians, a, children, a, baby, uh, a Christian child, smash through a Jewish house's window, and have the body laid there, and then blame the Jews for killing the, the child, and have all these blood libels. And they would use the blood for making the four cups of wine, you should know that Rav Chaim Falaji wrote a whole book about why Dafka, according to the Kabbalah, why throughout history the European uh, Christians would always attack a blood libel on the four cups of, 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 of wine for Pesach. It's a whole thing. Rav Chaim Falaji, a Sephardi Turkish Rav, he wrote a whole book on it explaining the whole thing. And so you should know, it for uh, it's called Derachav Lemoshe. Yodia Derachav Lemoshe, that's the name of the book by Rav Chaim Falaji. <coughs> In any event, I thought it was a blood libel. So the son, the, parent, the parents are panicking. You know, oh, what are we going to do? The boy goes closer and he sees gold coins on the floor. So he says, Abba, look, look. He sees a gold coin. He said, wait a second, what is this? They go close. They see it's not a human being. It's a mon- monkey. And they see that the glass tore open the stomach of the monkey and all the gold coins started coming out. Yara. So him and his wife, Yara, him and his wife, they said, thank you, Hashem, thank you. Quickly, they went to buy everything they needed for Pesach. Quickly, they knew there were a lot of poor people in order to eat for Pesach. They invited. So on the night of Pesach, they had a giant table with guests and food and shefa. So the pirates on the night of Pesach says, let's go see this moshke. And he's going to be begging for me, forgiveness, sir, on my feet. So uh, the pirates goes with Ivan. He takes him to the house of moshke. They see brand new glass. The glass is replaced already quickly. Okay. He looks through the window and he doesn't believe his eyes. He sees the whole table filled with tons of food. Okay, what's going on? Where does he have this money from? So the pirates, he has to find out. So he knocks on the door. Moshe opens the door, he sees the pirates. He said, wow, welcome, welcome. He lets him in. He sits in because he's still a very important, prominent figure, even though he fired him. He said, you can't treat him like dirt, okay? So he sits him down. He, he gives him whatever food, he can't give him wine, whatever, he gives him some food. So the, the pirate says, I didn't come here to eat anything. I just want to know, how did you do this? He said, I had a miracle. My God didn't abandon me. And he said, what, ha- what happened? He said, I don't know. We woke up early this morning. Someone smashed through our window a dead monkey with gold coins in his stomach. And we have all this gold now to make. So the pirates told him that was my monkey and that was my gold coins. I see your God takes care of you. You are right. You have who to thank to. They thank, they thank us to Hashem. You don't thank me. Come back to work after Pesach. Everything is okay. And that's what you think. Okay? What's the point of the story? Is that he stressed not to say thank you to the parites, but yes to say thank you to Hashem. That's number one. Number two, Gemara, Sota, Daf Yud, Amudbet. Okay? The famous story, Rashi brings quotes from this Gemara. Vayita Eshen, Eshen Avraham Avinu. Right? It says there the story that after the whole incident with Lot and his daughters, Avram went to move towards Beersheva, which is a desert land, and there's no food so available in the desert. So he decided to plant an Eshel. Okay? The Rashi brings a few explanations. The main one is that it's Achnasat Orchim. He did major Achnasat Orchim of high quality gourmet food, not regular food, like for like Rogulech and stuff like that. <laughs> but he made good quality food for people in the desert that they should really appreciate it, food and drink. And the Gemara says that, that after they finished eating and drinking and resting, whatever, Kamu Levarcho. They got up to bless Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu said, don't bless me. His wording in the Gemara says there, Hodu shibuchu u'barechu Don't bless me. And the intent in blessing him was, because they didn't believe in God at the time. Avram did this, as we know Rashi says, is to make Hashem known in the world. Okay? 
So don't give me a blessing, which means to give me thanks. That's what it means. Because you see from what Avram Avinu told them, that this is the intent of what they said. He said, don't give me thanks. Rather, give thanks, praise, and bless to the one who said that the world was created. Okay? There was a Midrash that says that there were some, some, some refused to bless Hashem. So then Avram said, okay, so pay for the food. And he charged them like double or triple the amount that was expensive food already. He charged them a lot. They said, okay, we're rather praise and thank Hashem that they pay that money. And no, there's a whole machloket in the post game. Can you do that? Is this considered a valid way to get people to praise Hashem, even though that's a, that's a halachic Indian. Okay, we're not going to them. But the point is, he said to them, Don't give thanks to me. Even though his intent was to make known Hashem, he could have said, Don't bless me. The Gemara could have said, Don't bless me, bless Hashem. But he didn't say that, just bless Hashem. He said, Give thanks and praise. And bless Hashem. The Ben Yishchai quotes his son Rabbi Yaakov in his commentary um, Ben Yuyada and Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov, the Chacham Yaakov, the son of the Ben Yishchai, he says, why three? Why Hodu, Baruchu, Shabchu, Baruchu? It's connected the three brachas of Birkat HaMazan. Right? Nodelecha, the middle one is Hodu. Shevach is the first bracha, Hazan Etakol. And Bon Yerushalayim is a bracha. We're blessing Hashem to come back to Yerushalayim, but to rebuild Yerushalayim. Okay? From these two stories you see there is an emphasis not to thank people. Avram Avinu could have said, you know, they could have thanked him, and he, he would take the thanks and say, also give, give blessing and thanks to Hashem. But he said, don't give anything to me. Give thanks to Hashem, okay? Exclusively to Hashem, okay? So the, you, I, I wanted to point out, if you look in the very, very from communities in Measharim, I guess if you want to say Williamsburg, Williamsburg, Borough Park, Matraw, okay? You take those places, the chinuch is, take, you probably never noticed this, the chinuch that they educate the children, if someone gives a candy to a child, they don't tell the child to say thank you, they tell the child to say shkoyach, give a bracha. I don't know if you noticed this, how you grew up wherever, pay close, close attention, dank in Yiddish is only dank in the Eibishter, Never do they say one person never thank thank you. Never. It's a goyish mentality that came into the Jewish circles. We don't. Let's finish. We don't give thanks to human beings. The pasuk to prove that again. You might disagree with what I'm saying. Look at the pasuk here. In lesson tzaddik bet. Okay. The the first paragraph. Rabbeinu brings the proofs that the ten types of song are machnia metaken pigamabrit. What's the pasuk for hod? Look in the first paragraph of Lesson Tzadik Metinyana for Hod. It says Hodu. Pen titen la'acherim hodecha. Lest you give to others your thanks. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Unbelievable. Okay? Lest you give to others your thanks. So who yes to give thanks? Second paragraph. What is the Mizmor that Rabbi Nachman took to parallel Hodu? Mizmor 105. Hodu How we touch it? Hodu give thanks to Hashem, Daika, specifically to Hashem and nobody else. So you might ask, so what? The person does you a favor, he's chopped liver? The person does you a favor, you do, you, 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 you don't say anything to him? No, you do. You give him a bracha. There's a big difference between telling somebody, thank you, and then giving a bracha, okay? Someone now, you go to a supermarket, okay? And the cashier, you know, finished. Normally you say thank you, okay? Instead of saying thank you, you say to the person, may you be blessed. What happens to the person's eyes? You do this like in a supermarket in Lakewood, something like that, where they're going maybe where working at the cashiers. You say, may you be blessed. May you be blessed in whatever you do. <laughs> their, eye, their eyelashes start flipping. <laughs> what, <is he> saying? <laughs> what happens though? You connect that person to God by blessing them, okay? If you say to that person, thank you, that's one of the biggest denials of Hashem's thanksgivingness. Because you're making an expression that you are the source of the thanks. You deserve the thanks because you are doing. But the real truth is, everything's from Hashem. The person's a shaliach. That you have the merit to do good to me, I bless you for that. I give you a blessing that you should do more good. But to give thanks, no. Here, this you might disagree with. A step. Thank you, John.
Exactly. Instead of telling a person, thank you, you tell them, may you be blessed. Chazaku Baruch, Yashakoach, Tiskin Mitzvah. This is the way Jewish communities spoke for centuries. This modern education that we have from our grandparents, say thank you, say thank you, right? Someone gives you a, ca- a candy, they ki- they don't say thank you, they kick you in the leg, say thank you. Your parents, you know, in school, say thank you. That's the chinuch, that's the education. That's Goish education. The Jewish communities never did that, even in Morocco. People told me now, Baba Sali never, did you ever hear him say to anybody, thank you? He said to the person, only brachot, a bracha, is even greater than thank you. You're blessing the person. That's great. He's getting back. Okay, you say thank you. What does he gain from that? Thank you is only to Hashem. That's what Ben was saying here. Hodul Hashem. Let's examine the Pasuk. The Pasuk has three sections. Hodul Hashem. Kiru Vishmo. Hodiu Vaamim. Adilotav. We didn't go to the Pasuk. Now we're going to the Pasuk. Okay? What? Yashir That's a blessing. Yeah. What is Yashir Kochacha? May your strength be straight. Yashir, Yashir Kochacha. What's the translation? That your strength be straight for what? In order to do more good. It's a blessing. It's not a thank you. The word Hoda'a, Rashi says on Megillat Esther, Ish Yehudi, Ish Yehudi, Rashi says he wasn't from the tribe of Yehuda, right? Rashi says one thing, the Gemara says also another thing. The Gemara, Rashi says he's called Ish Yehudi because even though he was from the tribe of Binyamin, uh, Mordechai and Esther, but because the majority of the Jews exiled then were from the tribe of Yehuda, so all the Jews were called under the name Yehudi, Yehuda. But the Gemara says, who's called Ish Yehudi? Anybody who's Kofer Avodah Zarah is called a Yehudi. In our context, Yehudi is from Lashon Hoda'ah. Why was Yehuda called Yehuda? Why did Leah call Yehuda Yehuda? That's giving thanks. Hoda'ah. She said, when Yehuda was born, this time I'll give thanks. So the name Yehuda, which has in it Yudke Vav, okay? If you notice that, Yehuda has Yudke Vav, okay? Okay, Hoda'ah is is, has in it the Hey Vav. Hodu, it depends what you call it. It's called here, he calls it what? He calls it Hodu. Hey Vav. Okay, you have Heivav, okay. Heivav of Yudkevavke. When it's Yehuda, is Yudkevavke. But it's all connected idea. Giving thanks is exclusively for Hashem, who has Yudkevavke, Vavke in his name. Him belongs Hoda'a, Hod, giving thanks. It's to Hashem. His name is Yudkevavke, so I can give thanks to him. It's, it's belonging to Yudkevavke. Come, it goes to him, okay? That's, the, 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 that's Yehuda's. So he says, anyone who denies Avodazara is called a Yehudi. So that means in our context, the idea of Hoda'a, which is like Yehudi, if it goes to somebody else, Pentiten Acherim. Acherim means anybody outside of Hashem, don't lest you give. <clears throat> and Rabbeinu is using this proof that Hoda'a fixes become a breed. How's Rabbeinu's proof? Pentiten Acherim Hodecha. How's Rabbeinu reading it? Pen, pen can mean lest, and also it means you won't. Pen. You will not give to others when when you have hod when you activated the nigun called hoda thanksgiving so then you won't give the drop to the other side the it's no longer it's now rectified so it's when do you have that when you have we're going a step further and saying that the idea of speech of giving thanks reflects where you're holding in tikkunabrit let's do the Gedalia Fenster 40-day challenge, okay? I, I challenge you guys, 40 days to go without saying thanks to anybody, instead giving them a bracha. Give them a bracha instead, 40 days. Try to control yourself, see how your level of moral purity goes up. Do a test, 40 days straight, to refrain, not to say thank you to anybody, even your wife, may be blessed, it's hard because our our, our, our nature of how we grew up is to say thank you, say thank you, say thank you. Here, we're going to train ourselves not to say thank you to another person, but to bless them instead, which is greater, which is higher, and give thanks exclusively to Hashem. Since they're connected, the barometer measurement of Tikkun Abrit in Hod is related to the giving of thanks, see if it changes now. See after 40 days, if now your level of Kedusha is enhanced, by, by now being careful not to say thank you to people, just to give it to anybody. So let's go back to the Pasuk.
Hodul Hashem. Compliment somebody. Compliment is what? Shkoyach. No, you tell them. Wow, wow you did something amazing. Well, that's okay, also. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. Um. Hoda'a, thanksgiving. Hoda'a. Those words. You, the translation. Like, yeah, you can say that. I could have done this without you. Oh. It's like that's a compliment. Like, well, compliment. Thanks, Nev. Compliment. I could have done without. I could what? I could have done without you. You're the shaliach. Oh. Remember, it doesn't say for mitos that uh, when someone receives tzedakah, I think it says that you shouldn't think. You should thank the person rather than think, saying that it came from. I, you have to show me the exact wording because I don't know if that's I don't the, wording the exact wording. wording. I, I have to see the exact wording. I don't think it says that. You have to double check, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the Pasuk. Hodun Hashem, okay? When you are careful to give thanks only to Hashem, the result is, Rav Nassim goes into this a lot in the Kutin a lot. Kiru Vishmo. He talks about Rav Nassim activating Shem Hashem. The main address Rabbi Nachman talks about this is Lesson 67, Part 2, Likud Yemoran, Samach Zayim. He says that there's Shem Hashem, Yudke Vavke, and there's the Shemot Atuma, the names of witchcraft, Keshef Machers, and, and Voodoo, and all the Tuma in the world, okay? One is connected to the other. <clears throat> when Shem Hashem is shining in the world, when Yudke Vavke is shining in the world, it brings to, it brings to it abundance, peace, health, happiness, Shefa, everything is in the world when Yudke Vavke is down in the world. That's Shem Hashem. What we have to do is to activate Shem Hashem. When a Jew has the merit to activate Shem Hashem, it brings in all the gifts. The commentaries on Tilim say something amazing. Do you call a king by his name, first name? Queen Elizabeth. I call her Elizabeth. How are you, Elizabeth? I say, Queen Elizabeth, right? Hashem is the only king of kings. We allows us to call him by his name. His, his essential name. We don't say, Melech, Malchem, Achim, Yudke, Vavke. We say, Hashem, or Adon, unbelievable. He gives us permission, Hashem, without a pre-title, like Melech, the king, Hashem, to call him by his name. This is activated, access to his name, that you're calling out his name. Everyone calls out his name in davening. But to really call out his name, and that the name now is present, and doing good, what Yudkei does, that is thanks to Hodul Hashem. If you do Hodul Hashem, if you're able to give thanks to Hashem and only to Hashem and not other people, it's only to Hashem. As a result, you activate Shem Hashem, which brings in it tons of good, tons of bracha, tons of shefa and benefit. The result of this, Hodiu Vaamim Alilotav. The simple translation is, and make known amongst the nations Hashem's workings, Alilotav's actions. But the commentaries say, the word for alilotav is similar grammatically to the word for a filthy child. Olel v'yonek. We call a child olel. There's a word olelim v'yonkim. What is, why are children called olelim? So the translation of olel means they get dirty. You have to clean them constantly. The diapers and the, the baby. And then he goes into the chocolate pudding and, and, and goes on the floor. And then he goes in the bar. Oh my God, no, don't eat that. He finds a cockroach and he's whatever. Chazashalom, you know. Children, babies, they need... 24-7 supervision because they get so dirty and disgusting and they have to, they have to, that's why they're called baby wipes, not the wipes, they're called baby wipes because they're called different babies because they're dirty, okay? So, make known amongst the nations the alilot. What's the alilot? The goyim, there's a mentality by them that it's all or nothing. Jewish mentality is not all or nothing. Jewish mentality is that every drop counts. Every drop of good counts. By the goyim, or you're a tzaddik 100%, or you're a goy 100%. But in between, we can't handle that. It's or extreme, or extreme. We can't accept somebody who's like this, is a shmata, and is a schlepper, and a shlamazl, and that still has a value. No. Or it's all the way down, or all the way 100% in the good side. That's a Jewish value, a Jewish perspective, that in the filthy olel, the filth, we can find a good point. Azamra, Rabbi Nachman's teaching of Azamra. Hodiu va'amim alilotav to make known in the nations that yes, even in something which is filthy and rotten and upside down, there's good to be found. This is what we, our goal is. Hodiu va'amim alilotav to get made, to make known by the goyim that even in olel, a filthy situation, a filthy matzav, there's hope to find a good point. The goyish mentality is, ich, how can you? You can't be a tzaddik. Rabbi Nachman says, I believe a tzaddik, even after he does the worst of era, 
he could continue to be a tzaddik. He said, he said about himself, you see me as great as I am? He said to his followers, the Chaim Moran, even if I were to do the worst Avera possible or transgress the whole Torah like 800 times, I would still be a tzaddik afterwards. Just afterwards, I would do tshuva. But I wouldn't budge from my Kedusha. I wouldn't like be devastated and broken. Someone who's now broken and devastated after, after what happens to them having a down and they have Yehush, that is a Goish mentality. That's what the Goyim expect. Ah, if you're not like, the, you always hear the secular Jews and Goyim, when they see like a big rabbi who got caught doing something wrong, so he's no longer a rabbi, he's no longer a tzaddik, he lost everything. He lost all of his, his prestige. He lost his name totally. That's a Goyish mentality. Jewish mentality is, he fell, he had a fall, but he can start now back up and he can build with good points to start again, to continue. It's like Rav Nosen, once was in the city of Breslov, there was a fire in the city of Breslov, and uh, Rav Nosen was with his disciples going around the city for whatever reason, if it was to help other people or to observe. And he saw one homeowner, a Jewish homeowner, that his house was totally burned down, and he was crying in the debris after there was a smoke coming from the, the remnants of his house. It was burned down already. So he was collecting through the debris, looking for useful pieces to start a new house. So Vinosin said, you see what he's doing? That's how life is. You may get burnt down to the rock bottom by the sitra by the evil, and then you feel like it's the ocean, there's nothing left of your life. Still, what you do is you pick up the pieces that's still there because it's never 100% burnt. There's always something to start with and to start again. That's how it is in life. And that is a Jewish mentality. The Goyim can't accept that. It's all the way or just commit suicide. There's nothing to live for anymore. That's it. Or this or that. Boom. Okay? So now, there's an old tradition in Breslev that Rabbi Nachman said about this chapter in the Tikkun Akali. Okay? You have a Tikkun Akali here? We have in the back here? I think we have here. I think I have it here. No, I don't have it here. here. Okay. Thank you. So here... In this chapter, the 15th verse, Al Tige'u Bimshichai, Uvim Ve'altareu, Rabbi Nachman said, or tradition, that really, for the tikkun to be activated of chapter 105, it's enough up to this verse. Already up to the words, Al Tige'u Bimshichai, Uvim Ve'altareu, it's enough to have activated the, the power of capital 105. But he said, since you're already saying, the capital, so you might as well say to the end, okay? It's from, from capital 15. We're okay with time, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay? So you have, you, have, you have verse, sorry, 15, verse 16 until it goes all the way to 30, 40, sorry, wow, 45. So from 16 to 45, That's it means if you're, yeah, but we do it because he said, if you're saying it already, no, say it all. No What's the difference? Like Hesek or anything? That, that's a big question in, in uh, in Hashkafa Halacha and Breslam. It's a question that has to be asked. If a person like doesn't have time, someone asked me, someone doesn't have time, uh, can he skip from verse 16 and just jump to Anarod Babel, the next capital, Kuflam Zayn? Or, you know, does he have to say it? That's a good question. Because if he or, said that already, he said we Rehmanachman. The Tikkun is done already until the words, Uvin Vyatareu. Or you don't have enough time, you want to do, it, you want to do it some now, some later. Not all one oh, shot. One shot, that's another question. Why, why such questions? It's, it's, it's Mikubal and Brasta, you don't talk in the middle of the Tikkun Akhlavi. It's Mikubal. It's, it doesn't say that anywhere, but it's understood. You say it in one sitting. And Rav Michal Dorfman told me once, even not to say Kaddish in the middle. So what to do? Don't be in a place, in a scenario, situation, <laughs> we're going to hear Kaddish in the middle of the Tikkun Akhlavi. And the rest of Shul, they finish, they do, they do Tikkun Akhlavi together every Shabbos morning, and they say it very fast. And I can't catch up with them. So while they're dancing, they dance. While they do Rikura, we start the Tikkun Akhlavi there, so that by the time... They do Kaddish after the Tikkun Akhlavi, I'm already finished with them because they, they go so fast. These Yerushalmis, you know, I don't know how they know that they can say Hebrew so fast. I'm like biting over the words and they like, vroom, they can finish Tikkun Akhlavi in like seven minutes. I don't know how they do it. I can't get five minutes. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. Some people, they go super, super fast in Tikkun Akhlavi. I don't know how, they, how human, po- how many possibly do it say words so fast. I guess when you speak the language, like if you read English, you can go fast. And they, I don't know. I'll go Panyin. So the thing is, what's the difference between verse 15 and the rest? Al tigi'u bimshichai uvin v'yai al tareu. Right? Verse 15 of chapter 105. What does it mean, al tigi'u bimshichai? Don't touch my anointed ones. Uvin v'yai, and to my prophets, don't do bad. Al tareu. That's the verse 15. Okay? So al tigi'u bimshichai, the commentaries explain, the Gemara says, don't touch 
the tinokotchen b'etrabah, the children, the school children. Don't touch the school children. What, what, what does it have to do? The Gemara says that because of the sins of the parents, Rabbi Nachman says in Sefer Amidot, if a parent, if a father has carry, has emissions, this can cause chas the death, death of his living children. Okay? So I'll take Yobim Shichai if now it's rectified, so there's no need for them to be, to, to be touched and killed. So don't allow for the school children to be touched due to the Pekama breed because it's clean now. Nevi'ai is referring to Tamadei Chachamim. But in our context, lesson 44, 45, 46, look at Timuram. He says, Navi is, the, is prayer. Niv Prayer is called Niv, the, the produce of the lips, of the mouth. Niv. Okay, the Niv, Tnuva is like the produce. So Niv, a prophet, he has a produce of Ruach HaKodesh, and it's expressed in, in, in speech. That's why it's called Navi, a Nevuah, a prophecy. But it comes from a Dikduk, that it's the idea of, of speech, of the produce. So if now there's Tikkun Abrit, Rabbi Nachman says this in many places, automatically prayer is enhanced. And like it's another thing. A leads to B, B leads to A. Okay, here's an example that B leads to A. You know, if now this tikkun abrit, so I don't do bad to my davening, don't cause bad ra to my niv svatayim to my speech. I should be able to express myself. That's what he says in several places in the Kutemuram that tikkun abrit has an influence on the quality of the speech. So this seems to be the end of, of this chapter. What happens from verse 16 to the end? It's giving thanks to Hashem over by cry Arav al It's the whole story of going down into Egypt, the exile, the exodus, receiving the Torah, and coming back to Eretz Yisrael. Okay? That is like giving Hashem thanks for just that. Here, Rabbi Nachman, as if... What? Shovim. What about you? That, that's all Shovim. Yeah, exactly. It's as if, Rabbi Nachman is saying, Hodut Hashem is not just that. It's for everything in life. And the capital, that's probably why he said, if you're saying it already, say it till the end. Really, Hodul Hashem is for everything. Hodul Hashem, Kiru Bishmo, for everything. Because the whole beginning of the chapter is how this is like the backbone of Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, right? Lechai Ten Eretz Kanan, the gift of the beginning, Zichu, Niflautav Asher Asa, Bofutav Ishpetefiu, Zerah Avraham Avdo, the rock, the bedrock of, of the foundation of Judaism. Is the goodness that Hashem did in general? Okay, He talu b'Hashem kodesh yismach lev b'Hashem Hashem shurulo zamrulo. It's general, general, general. And the end came specifics of leaving Eretz Yisrael, exile, Exodus, matan Torah, coming back to Eretz Yisrael. It's as Rabbi Nachman says, hoda'a activated. It's for everything in life, not just those specifics. Okay, so this is the idea. It's a big thing I spoke about. You have to think about it and digest it to see if this makes sense. Consult your rebbein if this, there's something in what I'm saying here. It's not written in Shulchan Aruch anywhere that this is the conduct. But you see, the said this was and this is the conduct of the very, very firm communities that they educate children. It's like automatic. Zuk shkoyach, zuk shkoyach. Tell, tell, you know, someone gives a child a candy. Shkoyach. This is You never heard him saying toda. In more modern communities, toda rabba, toda. Thank, you know, thank you, gedank, you know. Merci, thank you. That's more modern. It's more modern. It seems that this has leaked into Judaism because that's not the way. Hoda was always exclusively to Hashem. Okay, we'll stop here. That was a Givaldic, I think. And there were a lot of, requires a lot of thinking. But, but that was the whole story of Moshke also. Moshke.